When I first looked at this message, you know we're going through the 50-day adventure together as a pilot church for the Chapel of the Air. When I first looked at this, I thought that I would preach a message about people who connect God's goodness with shallow moralism. And uh, as I went further and further into that, I just thought, no, that's way too negative a message. And uh, so I fussed it. I fussed with God this week. I had a cold. I was in a bad mood. You know how I get him. You know, just start to fuss with God. And I'm not too good at preaching other people's subjects anyhow. Um, and so when we have assigned preaching topics and one comes up like God is good, I mean, can you imagine trying to preach on that? God is good. Water is wet. Air is invisible. I mean, talk about preaching on self-evident themes is just, I was just fussy. And so I just said to him, as I usually do, look, you're going to have to tell me what to say. Well, he didn't. And the week went on, and he still didn't. And I started sweating it. And I said, look, (laughs) if I don't hear it, I'm not saying it. So anyhow, I was mowing my yard. Great non-brainer, no-brainer. Everybody... It's a wonderful time to, God, for God to speak to you when you mow your yard. And these thoughts started to come that I really believe that he wants you to hear. And so I'm going to preach a message that's a little bit more brief than usual. As, even as I say that, <coughs> I... Uh, I get queasy because I know that I I always say that and then I go on. Um, But after I get done with this, we're going to have what in the old Methodist church we called an altar call. And that is calling you to the altar, (laughs) hence the name. There may be some of you this morning who for the first time really want to trust Christ with your lives. Now you already believe in him. You already know he exists. You already know who he is. But you've never been to the point before where you were literally put your life into his hands. Now, for others of you, there are areas of your life. You trust him with most of it. But there's one that you're just not real sure that he can handle. And so you're keeping it to yourself. Or you're sure he can handle it and you don't want him to. So you're keeping it to yourself you will be invited forward also, just for a time of prayer. And there will be elders up here so that you can pray with someone or you can pray by yourself. But I just want to tell you beforehand so that you can invite the Holy Spirit to nail you in the middle of this so that you can have what God wants you to give to Him. Now, this scripture... In Luke 5, starts with verse 1. Let me just read it to you. Now it came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God. Now word here, the logos, is the, in Greek, that is the general principle of how the world is made up. In physics, it would be the unifying principle of the universe. The grand unified theory, the one that everybody's searching for right now. The Logos is the one that is evident to everybody. It is, it is an objective, scientific, valid for everybody 
principle. That is the Logos. That is the creative agent in the world. And so they were all gathered listening to principles that were, that were, that were um, truthful for everyone. And he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Now, I want you to picture this. You've been to, you've been to churches before, and probably this one, where you, you kind of know what I'm going to say, and you kind of generally agree with it, so you're going about your business. And that's what, the, that's what they were doing. That's what Simon and, and the rest of them were doing. They were going about their business. They were listening. Yeah, you know. When you were a kid, did you go to church in color? And you could still hear the preacher. Yeah, okay, I can. You know, I saw a cartoon of a kid coloring Bart Simpson and his family this, this week, and his complaint was, I ran out of yellow. You know, I thought it was cute. But anyhow, you just colored. Or your grandmother would give you, my grandmother, I can remember her, would, would um, give me, um, she would bring butterscotches and bring, give me a butterscotch, and I'd unwrap the butterscotch, and then I'd do this with the thing. Did you ever do that? It was great. It was, everything was sunshine, you know, you do this. So anyhow, you go about your business. You're listening, but you're going about your business. And what he is saying applies to everybody in general. But if you're not careful, no one in specific. And so they're washing their nets, it says. And read on here. He says, and he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land which was, by the way, uh, a, uh, an acoustical help because sound travels well. Uh, these were cliffs, and sound travels well over water. It's an ampl- it has an amplifying effect. And so it was an acoustical uh, help. Uh, and asked him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. Now, when Jesus sits down, there is a symbolism there. For a rabbi to begin the authoritative teaching, he would sit. That was the position of authority. We get terms like, like ex-cathedra from it, from the chair. A cathedral is a church in which the chair of the bishop sits. The chair is a symbol of authority. In a department in a university, the head of the department is the chair, you see, so, therefore, when a rabbi sat down, now preachers, modern-day preachers, stand up, and they lean, and they do this. You know, that's, that's our position. of You know, but Jews were much more sophisticated. And so when a rabbi sat down, you knew that he was preaching from authority. He was teaching the general principles of authority. And so therefore, the scripture says that he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, now he's done with his sermon, see? Done with the general principles. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. Put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. All of a sudden, he stopped speaking to everyone and started speaking to someone. And Simon answered and said, Master, 
We worked hard all night and caught nothing. Did you ever do that? Did you ever just look at God and say, let me tell you why I'm not going to do this. You know? Because I tried this and it didn't work. I mean, I've tried this many, 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 many times and it didn't work. Does God ever say, okay, forget it then. Okay. All right, I told you. Go hungry. I don't care. God doesn't. What do you get? Silence. It's exactly what happened here. I want, to, I want to read this to you like it happened. Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. See, he knew he wasn't going to get his judgment reversed. And when it says, but at your word, the word is different from logos. It's the same, it's the, the, the word is now in Greek, rhema. And rhema is not general principles that applies to everybody. It has your name on it. Rhema comes to you personally. And it calls for a response. Did you ever get a, a party invitation that said, in essence, not transferable? <laughs> Don't give this to anybody else. If you can't come, nobody comes. Don't bother inviting anybody else because it's you I want to come. That's Rama. So when Jesus speaks to us personally, it's Rama. You understand? Now, and of course, then the Bible goes on to say, and so they let down their nets, and what they get? They got a catch so big that the nets began to break, and they called in their partners, and the both boats began to sink. Because they had answered personally the word of God. They had not just obeyed generally. They had answered personally the word of God. They had felt that in their lives. So anyhow, I'm fussing at God. I was saying, goodness, i got to preach on goodness. Everybody knows that God is good. And I felt a voice in my head say, that's right. That's exactly the problem. Because everybody knows it, nobody pays attention to it. And nobody takes it personally. And nobody thinks it's for them. And nobody questions it. And I thought, while I was mowing that lawn, of three categories of folks, all of which I fit sometimes. The first category are those of us who are blessed way beyond what we deserve until we think we deserve it. We think that's the way it ought to be. We cease to be surprised about it anymore. Did you ever stop to think that it's kind of strange that people are surprised when things go wrong in this world? According to the second law of thermodynamics, that's the way the world is, the law of entropy. Everything is going to go wrong. There's a passage in the Bible that says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that come amongst you. In other words, that's the way the world is. Why is it that we're not surprised when things go right? Why is it that the only time we ask why me? 
is when some tragedy has happened in our lives, why don't we ask that question when we look over our blessings and say, why me? Why is it that we all have friends whose marriages are being destroyed from years of insensitivity? They're falling apart. We feel horrible for them. And we look at our marriage and we say, but God has blessed me with a wife that will stand by my side. Why is it that we never stop to say, Lord, why me? Why am I this blessed? Is it because I've been more sensitive than other guys? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Is it because I've worked harder at it? Uh Uh-huh. There's a gift there. I mean, the gift is the woman. But why is it that she thinks you're the gift? Why is that? Why is it that we only say, why me, when one of our kids is tragedy, tragically ill? I'll get it in a minute. I used, there's, a, there's a hospital in uh, Indianapolis that I used to go to and absolutely hated. I've told some of you this. It was Riley Hospital. And it was a hospital that specialized in children's cancer cases. And I can remember often going into that hospital and just dreading going to a room and watching a mother and a child say goodbye to each other and having to say goodbye to that child that I love too. And I can remember every time I walked out of that hospital knowing I had three healthy boys at home and asking, why me? How is it that I have healthy kids? Why hasn't one of them developed some tragically awful disease which is par for the course in this world? Why? Some people I know are well fixed financially. According to the rest of the world, we're all well fixed financially. And I've heard people talk about other people who are wealthy. And and they say this, and I always used to buy this in the past. You know, they really deserve it because they have worked so hard for that. You and I know people who work 14, 15, 16 hours a day and still do not have enough money to live. Is it because they worked hard? And for those of us who have enough, why is it that we have enough? Because we work harder? Because we deserve it more? Why? Why us? Yes, God is good. And we can affirm that in a general way. But one of these days, we've got to look at our lives and say, why is he good to me? Why did he give me so much? 
There's a verse in Scripture that scares the bejeebers out of me. It is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 48. And it says this. To whom much is given, much will be required. Every time I'm reading through the Gospel of Luke and I come, I just want to detour chapter 12. Because I think, my God, what do you expect of me? I have been so blessed. But he does expect. Because he chooses to bless. And he chooses to give. And so, so therefore, God's goodness is very personal. And if you have been blessed in one or more of the ways I have or have not named, you've got to ask yourself, why? What does God want me to do with this? What's the message? Why me? Secondly, there's a category of people that know God is good in general, but they lose sight of it when they're going through some of life's up and downs. You know, some of you... Um, have not been scathed, but some of you I know are going through scathing experiences right now. And so you have one of two things. You either forget how God is good, or you say, well, I know God is good, and he's over here, and, and, but this experience is over here, and, it, and it's not in God's will for my life. Or God couldn't be in this particular horrible circumstance that I'm in. So whereas he's, he's got a nice character... He, you know, unless he can help me escape from this, then I'm not sure about how relevant his goodness is. You know what? That's not what Scripture says. That's not what Romans 8.28 says. Romans 8.28 says, All things, God works all things together for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Therefore, nothing you are going through right now is out of the realm of God's will. And everything you're going through right now, God has a good purpose in it. So therefore, you've got to start looking for what it is. You know, the problem is we all kind of believe God is good, but the sign begins to fade as we speed up through a tragedy. And we don't read it anymore. You know one of my pet peeves? Going down a, a, a street and there are signs out and somebody, I don't think nine out of ten people who make road signs know how to make them. The ones who do, like garage sale signs or, or car wash signs. You ever, you ever seen a kid out in a, in a median holding up a car wash? I mean, you think it's a car wash sign because they have a bathing suit on. But they put it in yellow crayons. Or they put it in pink, you know, to make it catchy. But you can't read it. You're going 30 miles an hour. And you go by and they go, ah, like you're the dummy, you know. <laughs> Learn how to make signs for crying out loud. You, people write in, in pencil, garage sale. Now, who can read that stuff? You know how to make a sign? Get a magic marker as big as a cannon. <laughs> and get those letters big little suckers so 
people flying into Orlando airport because they look, a garage sale, you know? Get those letters big. Let them have authority in your life for crying out loud. Well, the same with the goodness of God. God is good, pink, and orange, yellow. Isn't it colorful? You think you need that when you're, boy, you, when you're in, a tra- in the middle of a tragedy, you need a cannon magic marker that says, God is good. This is not outside of his will. This is within his will. And he is going to bring good out of this. People forget that and they get creamed by life. Because even though they know it, they don't wear it. There was a Greek philosopher, Diogenes, lived 2,400 years ago. And they asked him one day, he's a smart cookie. They asked him one time, what would it take you take for you to let somebody just hit you in the head? Diogenes looked at him and said, a helmet. Well, come on. You've got a helmet. God is good. Put it on. And when life hits you in the head, it may ring your bell, but it won't destroy you. God is good. Wear it. Then there's a third group. Who know it. They still don't trust it. Now, This is a group of people who have been disappointed and been hurt. They have been promised things and people have not come through. Or maybe they feel God has not come through. These are people who are angry and lost and they know what's best inside their heads, but they just can't quite come to the place where they trust themselves in the middle of something. They can't come to the place where they actually, instead of doing all the work themselves, can just let God have it. You know, that's the most curious thing in the world to me, even though I still am one of those in some areas of my life sometimes. Because there is nothing in this world so big, so destroyed, with such a problem that God can't fix it. Absolutely nothing. And I don't care how personal or private it is in your life. It isn't so big that God cannot fix it. And you know what? There is nothing in this world so good that if we handle it, we can't mess it up. It's true. Now, knowing that, why in the world would we know the truth and not use it? It's like knowing how to add, but having to count over on your fingers every time. How'd you like to go to Albertsons and write out a check and try to subtract it from your 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 you know uh, checkbook? And of course, everybody's behind you. You know, they're putting down the rubber things and they're piling it on. And they're starting to look at you. And go, well, just a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, just, just, just a minute. Come on. You know what I add? Add it. You know God will take care of it? Let him take care of it. 
It's his business. He can do it. Trust him. Trust him. He's the God. You're not. It's a wonderful thing to resign the general managership of the universe. It's a wonderful thing. We don't have to do that. You're worried about your kids? God's God. You think he can't take care of your kids? You think he can't? You don't think he loves your kids? You don't think he wishes good for your kids even more than you wish good for your kids? Are you worried about somebody who's dependent on you? Somebody who is in a parasitic relationship? You don't think God can take care of them? God can take care of them. Are you worried about your future? You think you've got to have it all figured out? Don't you think the God of the future knows what he has for you? You don't have to figure it out. Well, you have to watch. You have to know what he's doing so that you can cooperate. But you don't have to move the world. That's God's job. Are you willing to let him do it? Let me give you an opportunity right now. We're going to have a time of prayer. And I invite any of you who have a desire to have God handle something for you. Let him be God in that area of your life to come forward and kneel and give it to him and leave it with him. All right? And every time it comes up again in your mind, and it will, you say, God, (laughs) this is yours, isn't it? Okay. Just wanted to remember, it's yours. You're taking care of it. Now, some of you may never, even though you believe in Jesus Christ, may never have trusted God for your salvation. You still worry if you die where you'd go. You have not yet put your whole future and heaven into his hands. Well, I don't want you to worry about that. He doesn't want you to worry about Good grief, there are bigger things in this. And there's no bigger, more important thing in the world, but there are bigger things that you need to get done in this, this life than to worry whether or not you're saved for the rest of your life. Or whether, whether or not you, you know, if you're going into the hospital, you need to worry if you go under general anesthetic, for crying out loud. There are bigger issues he wants you to attend to. So therefore, I want to give you the opportunity this morning to come and just pray with somebody and just say, I want to trust Christ with my life, with the whole thing. Or you can come and pray with somebody or pray alone to say, I want to trust Christ with this part of it. I'm already trusting it with the rest of it, but this part I really have a difficult time with. Okay? So that you do not go from here and say, well, I heard a nice general message this morning. I know more about Christianity. Listen, you might as well stay at home and wash your nets because you got nothing out of it if you did that, all right? When you go out of here this morning, you need to have heard his voice in your heart and you need to have made a transfer or it didn't happen. Now, let me ask some elders, uh, Tom, Anyway, who, what other elders are we going to hear? We got any other elders? Becky, would you pray with women who would like to pray with a woman? Um, good, Buddy's there. Hey, welcome back, Buddy. Good to see you. Buddy's been in Texas uh, with a brother who has cancer, 
And uh, so we need to pray for him too and for his family. Any other elders in here? Um, thanks. Oh, hi, John. I can't, can't see through the lights. The light's too bright. Okay. Hey, Charlie. Thanks. Well, the elders, we just need to confess and let the elders come forward. Yeah, they're just so slow. Let's trust God to provide elders here. Okay. And uh, um, Ruth Ann, would you be on this side and pray with women who would like to pray with a woman? Let's just take some time and kneel before the Lord and let him have an area of trust in our lives. Okay? Let's pray.